This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. As always, John is with me. We're going to kick off our Road to WrestleMania series. Basically, pretty much probably every podcast will lead off with kind of the what, what's the latest in, in, in WrestleMania news and where the matches are going and, uh, and stuff. I mean, there, there may be a time where there's a story that we want to hit before it, but we want to have a regular Road to WrestleMania segment. I used to do these with Big D probably for the last three years uh, as a separate podcast, but we're going to tack it on to this podcast and just lead with kind of the latest because, you know, for WWE, WrestleMania is uh, is their big show of the year and everything kind of revolves around it. So we're going to spend time uh, on every show talking about WrestleMania and all the cards and, you know, we'll, we'll add other stuff too because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on that weekend and we will be in attendance for most of it interestingly enough not attending wrestlemania itself but uh but yeah so that's what that's what we'll do from here on out until uh, until the big show and uh, and and so you, if you are not a huge wrestling fan this is not necessarily going to be the podcast for you because it's going to be so wrestling heavy uh, for this episode but uh you know we'll 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 get a little boxing in there cuz John did watch some boxing last weekend so what's up John how's it going uh doing pretty good and Nice to be back again for another show so quickly. And just like that, tons of news to talk about. <laughs> things never things never slow down, never slow down at all. Yeah, so if you uh if you wanna hear we won't we won't talk about the Royal Rumble, at least uh for the you know, most of it. There may be some things that we wanna bring back up, but Royal Rumble and Takeover uh, on Sunday night after the Royal Rumble show, that long six-hour show or seven-hour show or whatever it was, we came back immediately and recorded. So, uh, so check out that show. You can find it on uh, you know SoundCloud or iTunes or on the website. Check my check check the Fight Game blog Twitter. It's it's up there. So that show is up. We won't. We're not going to necessarily um, talk about that stuff, but we will relate it because talking about the road to WrestleMania here. Uh, Raw and SmackDown, heavy, heavy on the main event angles for both uh, Seth and uh, Brock, which is assumed to be the match, and then Ronda and Becky, though, like we've been talking about for a while now, Charlotte is still in the mix, and based on the angle from SmackDown, she's going to be in that match, so... Uh, I guess the first question for you is, why do people hate the Charlotte thing so, so much? Like, I can understand if you just sort of dislike the idea that that they're, you know, y- you like WrestleMania main events to be one-on-one and adding her is, you know, they're over-pushing her or whatever. I get, like, I get that opinion. I think it's a fair opinion. But why such rage? Like, I see people, like, defending 
the idea of Ronda versus Becky as the ultimate match, like to their death. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous to me. I think people really want the purity of like a one on one main event. They don't want the uh, a multi person match, you know, multi woman match. They want just to focus on Becky and Ronda. And I I get their point, you know, but uh, I don't think putting Charlotte in is a bad thing. I think it improves the match. Um, Charlotte is really good, far superior in the ring than both Ronda and Becky. Um, she keeps it, you know, she keeps it going, going straight in my opinion, you know? And then, you know, as we saw like on this past week of raw, we'll talk about later. I mean, Rhonda has her weak points and, and yeah, she didn't have a, she didn't have a really good performance on, on raw. And she's also far her performance has been really good, but you know, I, I I'm not against it. I, and I like Charlotte. I think there's a reason why she should be in that match. Um, they have plenty of time to to put her in there, and or they could just decide, hey, let's go with Becky and Ronda one on one. Then that could, uh, that's fine too. But I had a feeling that they really w- would like, you know, in their New York market, you know, to get the media, not the wrestling media. I'm talking about the media that doesn't normally cover the major media that doesn't normally cover wrestling unless there's some kind of controversy. You know, they like to fluff up WrestleMania stories and having a a flair in there because everyone knows her father, Ric Flair, the legendary Ric Flair. You know, I think it's, it's marketable, especially in New York. So, I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know why people are so upset about it, but they are. I think, they, you know, but don't worry. I mean, Becky's still going to have her arm raised at the end. She's going to hold the belt up. She's going to beat Ronda and not Charlotte because, you know, they have to have some kind of a challenger for Becky coming out of that. Okay, so... I I was on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio last night, and I think Big Dave pretty much disagreed with me with this point, which is if we go back the last three WrestleManias, crowd has been pretty hard on on the match. Roman Reigns against Triple H, deservedly so, because that match kind of sucked. <laughs> uh, Roman Reigns and the Undertaker, it, I, I you know for what the Undertaker is uh at at his age oh oh pretty good match for for what you what you may have thought not necessarily a great main event and last year finally roman reigns and brock to sort of blow off that entire thing and some of it was the surprise of brock winning and vince wanting to keep people guessing and and all that uh but also not necessarily the match that fans, the live crowd, that heavy, uh, m- you know, minority voice that WWE has to listen to because historically they've listened to their live audience and just vociferously disagreed with all of those three matches and where they're going to go and why was Roman in there. So the last three years in a row, unhappy crowd for the main event. Um, my worry is the story's out. Ronda is probably not going to be a full timer post WrestleMania. So that's out there. The smart fans, uh, are, are going to know that they will probably let her know. 
And I really worry about her performance in that match. She's a great athlete. You know, she has has an uh, has an ability in front of large audiences that many almost nobody in that company has when it comes to like main eventing stuff, right? Like she was she main evented a a, a show in uh with Holly Holm in was it in Melbourne? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know, was there 50,000 people there or whatever, right? So there's the pressure. It was on her back. She understands how to deal with it in a sport she is very comfortable with. Now, in pro wrestling, she's technically still a rookie. She will still be, you know, it'll it'll, it'll be the first anniversary of her very first match uh, at WrestleMania the previous year. So I'm just not sold on the idea that Ronda versus Becky is going to be a good enough match for that crowd that his, that that uh what does Daniel Bryan call it fickle <laughs> the fickle crowd and now what may happen is the crowd may try to save that match right they may try to make it better than it is which which what may you know that may happen too but when you add like the it, the risk is lowered to me of them not having a good match when you add Charlotte to the mix. A, it's a gimmick, right? Like you have something to help the... I I, I don't even know what you'd call it, but Ronda's matches are, are very formulaic. They're, uh, they're good. They're very good, but... Every match so far that she's had, save for the, I believe it was the Alexa Bliss match, is uh, very similar. She starts out hot, heats on her, she sells forever, come back, great win. Like, that's the style. And look, that's been a babyface style in WWE for the longest time, right? That's essentially Hulk Hogan formula match. So, it... If that doesn't work, I don't know what the plan B is, right? Because they they are built they they build matches today um, to what they think should be the match for that audience, and you know we talked about this uh, prior, which is uh, if they need to audible, they just don't necessarily do it because they don't want to stray from the match that they believe is what's going to work, and so I, I'm a little worried about that. You know, can you have a one on one match? It's going to be physical, yes, but to an extent, you can't, you know, th- nobody's blading, you know, you can only do so much with the, the gimmicks of getting the crowd involved with steel chairs and stuff. But you add a third person who's Charlotte, who could do a flipping mean moonsault off the top rope to the floor, that changes the game for me. And it makes it almost uh, risk free of them not having a good match. I think she just adds uh, so much more to the match and, and alleviates my fears that they may not have a great match. Um, I don't see the downside. I, I, I just don't see the downside. I don't, I, I, I don't even see, like, to me, Charlotte and Becky, it, it just has more... It just has more... Uh, not I don't want to say fail because that's me being really hard on them because I don't think they're going to fail. I just worry about that main event slot with that crowd and one thing goes wrong 
and how do they come back from it? Now, and I think adding a third person who's as good as Charlotte, you're having constant action. There's no dead spots because it's going to be, you know, Charlotte and, and or, or Ronda and Becky to start. And then something happens. And then it's going to be Charlotte and Becky and Ronda selling. And then all of a sudden, Ronda and Charlotte are going to double team Becky. And she's going to be even a bigger baby face. And then she's going to hit her comeback. And like, I just don't see a way that that match could fail. And uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm out of it. Maybe I, maybe the, I, uh, the whole thing has moved on for me. I don't know. But that's just my feeling on the uh, on adding her. I don't, I don't see how they can go wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't see as a negative. You know, people are so passionate about, uh, you know, against it, just wanting a one-on-one between Beck and Ronda. I just, you know, I get it, but I, I don't see as a negative. If you, if you have Charlotte, they're like, like she fits the story. She fits the story with both women. She fits the story with Becky for sure, and also it could lead into more between Becky and Charlotte post WrestleMania because you're gonna need something. You know, because Ronda will finish up at WrestleMania, take some time off, or how long, who knows, And unless they can extend her, you know, get one more pay-per-view out of her or something like that. But I think, I think in the end, at WrestleMania, the people are going to be happy because Becky's going to get their arm raised. It goes to get her arm raised. I think that's, you know, that should happen. And, and from what we saw at the Royal Rumble, I think, you know, the WWE is listening to their audience when it definitely comes to Becky. So, um, yeah, I think, I think in the end it'll be fine. And, and I think the three women will have a, a great match. And I think it's a, I think a three way really hides Rhonda's weaknesses and hides Becky's weaknesses and Charlotte could bring out the best of both those women. So, uh, and, I guess, I guess I would say that if it now this is again I, I I'm not trying to be negative, but if it was Charlotte against Ronda, I would feel much more comfortable of them being able to main event WrestleMania one on one, and just and it's mostly because I think I just think Charlotte is really good, and I think Becky is solid. Like she's okay. She's you know she's not the same level athlete. Uh, I don't think it's as instinctive to her, but she works. She tries really hard, and you can see with her character. I mean, on uh, on SmackDown, she's selling that knee the whole time, and I'm like, wow, like that that was that was that was good stuff. Like you know, I, I really enjoy the character. I just don't know if I like her in the ring as much as I like her outside of the ring, which. Look, it, that's fine, right? Because that's historically been how you draw in wrestling. It's it's not necessarily always between the ropes. It's kind of how, how you sell yourself outside of the ropes. And if she was actually drawing ratings wise, TV ratings, um, then I would you know probably be a little bit less uh, sort of thinking that this isn't you know that this is the right business move. But she's not. I mean, she's not moving TV ratings for whatever reason. And you know, I'll bring this up again. But my buddy. Uh, Wade, who uh, who was at the show, said he thought now this is a guess, right? Like he's not counting, but he's just looking at stuff. And he said he thought that there were more Ronda shirts than Becky shirts five to one and more Sasha shirts than Becky shirts three to one. So, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't say everything, but it gives you an idea about, you know, 
what what's really going on now becky becky's getting great great fan reaction uh you know when we were in san jose at that uh the tlc show she got the best reaction like it was really clear that the fans just love her 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 shtick live and and i you know i when i was sitting there i I really wanted to hear it live i was like okay that's like i mean it's not austin but Mm -hmm. you know it's the best that you're gonna get today for sure so you you said it earlier like you have to look at the ratings she's not really moving ratings or improving ratings right house show business there's no jump in house show business with her like people are not flocking and buying tickets to see her. Like she gets really good reactions on TV and on pay review. It's just, uh, I mean, she's hot, but not as hot as people seem to be thinking when I read stuff online about her and stuff. But I'm a big Becky Lynch fan, so I'm, I'm happy that she found this character and she was able to create it and take it. And the writers got behind it. The, the machine, the WWE, got behind it. So. Like I said, it's all gonna work out in the end. WrestleMania, they're gonna, she's gonna main event it, and she's gonna have her arm raised with the belt, and it's gonna be, you know, a really, a big moment that they're gonna be talking about for years and years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think some of the Charlotte flack is just that people feel like she is the 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 WWE machine, like she's the forced superstar, sort of like Reigns. I don't sense that from her because I just think that she's heads and shoulders out, you know, okay. Outside of Asuka, I think she's heads and shoulders above the rest, uh, on, on either brand. I think, I mean, I mean, they shouldn't hate her because she, you know, she's, she worked hard and she improved quickly and took, took to wrestling like a fish to water, uh, developed her character, um, unique to herself um, even with, you know, it's hard to be a second generation wrestler, especially with a dad of a legendary caliber, Ric Flair. I mean, you know, it's very difficult for second generation wrestlers to just to even be to their father's level. And, you know, she's created her own legacy and she's doing really well. And she, and she, if she's not, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, if you had best in ring, it'd be Oscar, Oscar, but like Charlotte is right behind her. When it comes to that, at least on the main roster right now. So, so I think people shouldn't hate her. Just like I, I never understood the Reigns hate because he's he had a guy that was such a hard worker and always put on really good matches. It's just people like get upset about the machine, but like I always like like listen, folks. The machine <laughs> got behind Hulk Hogan and you loved it, right? The machine got behind Stone Cold Steve Austin and you loved it. The machine got behind. The Rock, etc. etc. Everyone they that's featured on their television that's in the pushed position is featured by the machine. So relax. I mean, there's certain reasons why certain guys aren't pushed the way they are. And I know people want to force it, but like there's a reason. There's certain there's certain levels and and Charlotte's you know, top of that list when it comes to the women women's division. So you know, there shouldn't be no hate against her at all. And you know that we're going to talk about this from now until the the big show. So uh, so I'm, I'm sure as the weeks go by, there will be small changes to you know to the to the angle and to the story, and we'll, we'll see Charlotte introduced into this match. What did you think of 
the face-off with Becky and Rhonda because people really, really loved that. And it was almost like, see, this is why it has to be one-on-one. Like, this was so good. This, I really just want to see this match. Uh, what, what did you think of that segment? I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the fact that Rhonda's promo did not sound like a wrestling promo. I mean, she quickly talked and was angry and it wasn't like she was making the pauses and you know what I mean like this the stupid like okay now it's your turn to talk mm-hmm. I'm gonna say something it was just like she said what she had to say and she was like I'm gonna kick your ass and bye you know um I, I don't I don't know if she was frustrated about the booing I think she had to have been I mean and I mean through her career she's you know she's to tend to get upset about that stuff. But I mean, they, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't understand if she would be, because I would say like, Hey, like if I was Vince, I'd be calling her like, they're most likely going to boo you. Cause Becky is like very popular. The fans want Becky. So don't let it bother you. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, maybe she just can't get over it. I don't know. Maybe she didn't even care about it. We don't even know, you know, but, uh, I kind of would have done differently. I, I thought I was kind of thinking like, it was a cool. They had a surprise. They talked about Becky's going to announce it on SmackDown, but then she comes out right and confronts Ronda. What if Becky came out later as a surprise, not to confront, but she's out there like I'm. You know, I'm not going to wait. To, no one's going to tell me what to do. Like she's kind of being her, the man, all Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of gimmick. Like I'm, I can do what I want. I'm going to make my. I'm going to make my choice right now. Mm-hmm. And like or I'm here and she's kind of like dragging out just a tad bit. And all of a sudden, Ronda just comes out, boom. And Ronda's the one that says, you're going to fight, you know, you're going to fight me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe that would get Ronda cheered that way, you know, a little bit. Not like necessary booed or, you know, she still probably wouldn't booed, but at least it'd get some Ronda some, some, I don't know, some, just, just showing Ronda some guts, you know, coming in and challenging Becky instead kind of thing. Okay. I thought that had a cool twist of it. You know what line I didn't like? Was Rhonda's end line where she said something to the effect of, you know, essentially what she said was, if this would if this was real, I would just kill you. <laughs> That's what she essentially <laughs> said. And I don't want her to go there because you're basically saying that wrestling's fake. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was um, I didn't see a lot of people give her much flack for it, but thought that that was a bad line for this segment because in the back of my mind this is the problem that I have with Ronda as a as a pro wrestler which is I watch her fight and I watched her intimidate these women to the point of that they didn't stand a chance until she lost obviously mm-hmm. but so when you have Becky Lynch getting in there and look Lynch Lynch was great because I'm thinking like, wow, you know, if I was standing next to Ronda and Ronda's got that mean face and she is so disturbed by this crowd and she looks like she doesn't want to be there and that she just wants to like punch something. I Be- Becky kept it the perfect the perfect face. I was I, I thought I thought that was actually the best part of the whole segment. Um but I just when I watch these matches, I'm like, okay, like Ronda's a great performer. But when Becky says she's going to break her arm, I go, "Okay, come on now. Like, we all know that that's not going to happen. It would never happen. It would never happen in a pro wrestling match. It would never happen in real life. So why don't we not say that? How about you just, you know, 
you're not going to outfight Rhonda. You can outwrestle her because this is your domain. So I don't like that part of it because it's just that I cannot suspend disbelief in mm-hmm. that way. But um, otherwise, I liked it. And I think what's going to have to happen for Rhonda is it's going to come to a point where uh, she's going to have to raise her game a little bit. And I think Becky can definitely get that out of her. I think Charlotte's going to be able to get that out of her. And I want to see her get to that next level, right? Because her promos are hit or miss, I think. There are some nights where she's really on and there are other nights where she stumbles over stuff and she's trying to remember. And I think they kind of have cue cards for her in the corner and she's staring off to the side. Or maybe I'm like thinking that that's the case and that may not be the case, though it was Mm -hmm. surely the case for AJ Styles on that New Year's show. Uh, that he did when he was talking to Vince and Shane. He was clearly staring at some cue cards on the side. <laughs> but um, but I think she's going to have to raise her game because she's going to get out promo-ed, and that's part of the uh, crazy reactions, I think, by the Becky fans, which is they know that Becky's kind of going to eat her lunch at this stuff. And so, like you said, they need to put Ronda in in better spots so that she doesn't get her lunch eaten. And uh, but what I hope is that Rhonda like is like, OK, now now it's a game time and, and she just gets a little bit better at it. And, you know, just sort of spirit of the moment. And like you said, like she kind of you could tell she kind of got mad and, and stopped stumbling and just like didn't just cut her off. And, and that that's when she's really good. Right. So that's my hope for the whole thing. And um, I think the, I would like to see them just. Yeah, I know they have this. Unfortunately, they got these two pay-per-views coming up, which kind of throws a wrench into some stuff. Because what do you do? Do you have Ronda on every show? But I think maybe you can hold off Ronda and Becky from Fastlane, unless you did, like, an official contract signing or something. Oh, that's so tired of those scenarios. We all know what's going to happen in those scenarios. But what if they just, like, at the end, at the end of February – they just go in like training mode and you do like the Brock and rock stuff from SummerSlam, uh, where you just show them training, Rhonda's training, Becky's training, tr- Becky's training to, you know, not get arm barred, uh, Rhonda's, you know, finding out ways against the disarmor and just, you know, she's training with, uh, she's training with Shayna and Natty and Jess and, and Marina, and then you have Becky, you know, training with, I don't know, Cyborg or something like that. I don't know. Like, you could do, like, <laughs> you could do a lot of cool shit with that, you know? I mean, it, those those training videos really do work. I mean, we, I mean, I remember that, that, I mean, when Brock and Rock happened, I mean, Brock was still new, right? I mean, he was a phenom. Like, you thought, like, oh, man, this guy is something. But, like, those those videos really pumped you up for that match, you know? And, so and, I think that's, and you know, that's you know, what I would do. you know that I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because fans have short memories about stuff like this, and the Rock got booed in that match, mm-hmm. right? Like this is not the first time that stuff like that has has happened where the fans just sort of tell you what they think, you know. Uh, and, and part of that is Brock was made to feel like the new hotness and Mm -hmm. they kind of booked the rock like he was on his way out. So again, my worry about this Rhonda thing, which is when they position 
WWE is positioning these folks to make the person who is going to be around and who is going to be the champion to look strong. You know, the whole the whole uh, WrestleMania 12 thing, Sean and Brett, where Brett was like, Sean looks like a million bucks doing all this training. And they may, you know, they shoot videos for, for Brett, making him look like slow and old and and, you know, doing like really boring stuff. And that's because, you know, that's how they wanted to present it, like the new guard. And so that that's what I, I, I'm sort of worried about, too, is just, you know, Ronda is not going to be booked stronger than Becky. They may be booked evenly, but at the end of the day, if, if Becky's going to be the one to stay, that they're going to want her to look stronger uh, in the buildup, too. So we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm speculating on some of this because I just, uh, you know, I just know what what has happened in the past. But um, I think I think, you know, I, 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 I'll be we'll, we'll, we're going to keep our, our eye on it. And, and, you know, week week after week, like I said, so we won't kill all of it right now. So let's actually let's move on to um, Seth and Brock because they didn't really do too much. So we'll, we'll just talk about it a little bit. But they did. A, they did the segment at the end where I mean, Seth got his he got his ass kicked <laughs> and it was uh-huh. just like it was almost like uh I thought it was okay. I kind of wondered a little bit, like, where do we go from here? Does Seth now have to beat Braun Strowman? Like, who? Like, how do you build? What What are we building him up for? Because we just saw Brock just destroy him and leave him, and he's just like, eh, I'm gone. I'll see you in you know a month or whatever. I thought it was a big mistake to have him get his ass beat in the first confrontation like that. I think he should have been smart. He should have been quicker. He should have ducked out of stuff. He should have, you know, bailed out of the ring. Not like scared, but like, you know, you know, F five, he pops out of it, you know, leaves leaves Brock steaming in the ring, looking at him like he's I know, he's gonna get him and he should get him at, at some point. But I th- you know, I think I think that was a bad move, you know, because now we're gonna do we have two months of this crap. We gotta you know, he's definitely needs a curb stomp Paul Heyman for WrestleMania. I I would definitely book that where he gets something, you know, he Brock does something, Brock you know, goes for something, he low bridges him, Brock takes a bump outside, Paul Heyman's maybe on the apron close by, he pulls him in, gives him the stomp, and then just, you know, he lays out Paul Heyman right in front of Brock Lesnar. Or something like that. You know, like something needs to happen to where you gotta show Seth can can defeat him, can you know I think the proof is like showing him faster, showing him quicker. Like Brock can't keep up or something, you know. But finally, Brock does get him at one point and gives him that, you know, five f fives. You know, I think that should happen closer to WrestleMania than than right off the gate. But and I didn't like how they presented Seth after he won the Rumble. I didn't like the whole thing with Triple H kind of giving this pump up like some rookie i felt like i don't know your dreams my dreams that no, just didn't that's... fit yeah it did not fit and what's up with all the beards going on right now you had dean ramrose the beard and triple h the beard it says rollins with the beard it's beard city in wwe right now and uh it just just that, that promo just was, did not work i just i just must rather have seth right at the back just you know people want to call call it brock just do it right then and there doing the first segment you know I just thought that was kind of silly. Um, I mean, it was also kind of strange, too. I'm going to talk about Raw, but I, I would think Seth's next program is going to be Lashley from what happened at the Rumble, but Lashley is moving on to Finn Balor, so who does Seth 
program with, you know, going forward. Is it Braun? I don't think so. I think they want to keep Braun a Bayface. And um, is it Drew? <laughs> Drew seems to be programmed with Braun. So is it Baron Corbin? I mean, that's not going to do any favors. Nope. I mean, I like. I, I really like Baron Corbin actually. It's just I don't. I just. I just. He's not that hot as a heel t- for to keep Seth busy. So mm-hmm. that's going to be. That's going to be a tough call, and this is what happens when no one is really over. Yep. And people are just all the same level, so or or below that. So that's gonna that's a tough. I mean, Dean could be perfect, but you know, I'm, I'm not a don't really want to see it too much of it. But like Dean would be that guy that he can feud with until then a little bit. But then they announced that he's leaving. And <laughs> WWE's already kind of kind of kind of well they acknowledged it and also there had a match on raw which we'll talk about and i have a lot to say about that match but um so who do you put him with i was trying to think of the i'm trying to think of the heels on the raw side I, I, it's drew but he's with Strowman. corbin seems to be with Strowman as well like lashley's with finn who do we have nobody yeah there's nobody i mean you know we saw in the rumble where we were just like waiting, waiting to get to thirty, and just going like, "Wow, there's like very little depth from a from a great from a from a really good wrestling working standpoint. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of depth, but from a star power aspect, there was not much depth." Um, yeah, actually, let's talk about Dean because that's kind of the big news. Is that I think it was PW Torch and maybe uh, PW Insider both talked about it a little bit or maybe first reported which is that he is not renewing his contract once it expires after Russell or probably around WrestleMania time um and then WWE goes and publishes an article on their own website saying the same thing and I, why would they why would they even do that it's kind of it's 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 kind of silly to me um but I mean, I, I have some ideas as to why, but just it it just it just didn't fit what they usually do, so it was kind of weird. Um, but what did you think about the whole, you know, Seth and Dean and Dean complaining about Triple H and then Dean getting dumped uh, out of the ring by <laughs> Nia? Like, me. I mean, yeah. if if he was like, if you didn't know he was leaving, you would have thought, wow, he's getting punished for something, because that's what I thought. Yeah, I when I saw the match and his performance, the match I saw a guy that didn't care. I saw, and which was surprising to me because he's working with Seth, who's his friend. You would think he'd want to work hard and 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 put Seth over strong, but like he was working not as blatant as Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan for SummerSlam, but damn sure it was close. I mean, he was like, I thought he's. He was out of position for a lot of stuff. Like, there's one moment, like, in the match where he's, like, literally just standing there waiting for Seth to do a dive out on him. Like, it was, I mean, it looks stupid because, like, any, if you're trying to make people spend disbelief, you're like, why is that guy just standing there waiting for this other guy to jump out of the ring? Like, wouldn't you just move out of the way or get back in the ring and start fighting? And then, like, the, the curb stomp finish. Like, you know, you know, Seth does his his uh, leg stomps like Shawn Michaels, like Sweet Chin Music. And, like, Dean is just waiting for him bent over. <laughs> it's not like he took something major to set that up. It was just like, it was like, I thought it was the first time I thought it was poorly timed. 
And then all this comes out, and I'm like, yeah, he, I mean, he just obviously doesn't care right now. And then, and then the they had Nia give him a little forearm shiver to the back, which is what I thought was pretty funny. I thought they were actually building to that match at that point. I thought they were <laughs> building to a Nia versus a man, and Dean would be the guy. But, but I guess I'm not, I'm not sure that's really going to happen. That could be a way to write him off, be able to do something like that to kind of embarrass him on the way out, but. Um, Dean's just not happy. Uh, he wants to do, wants to have fun again, apparently. And, uh, you know, we'll see him on the indie scene and we'll see where he goes. Um, I can see him going to AEW. I can see AEW wanting him. Um, he's a recognizable name. I think it'd be someone they should get, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I mean, ring of honor, you know, definitely. Would love to have them. So, New Japan, maybe you never know for their U.S. stuff. So, as you know, because we watch a lot of these shows together, I'm not a Dean Ambrose fan. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think the act is really stale. The lunatic fringe is ridiculous to me. Uh, the his gear never liked his gear, and as a solo outside of the Shield, I. I thought it was clear that he was the third best guy. And, you know, look, Seth and Roman are great. So to be the third best out of that group, there's no crime in that. But I thought they both overshadowed him to an extent. So that's where my bias is. So that's kind of, you know, when I talk about him, that's kind of where I sit. So I I, I, I get people who get frustrated um, but like you said, showing it in the match, you know, and then in the rumble too, right? Cause he gets dumped early in the rumble. Um, yeah, yeah he takes that funny bump and Alistair knocks him out. Like yeah. almost like a, almost like a com like, like a Shawn Michaels right. comedy, like, right. Uh, this is all goofy, blah, 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 you know? And so, you know, there's, there's a, there's a thing about being professional and all that. And, you know, who, some people will say, well, who cares? You know, he's frustrated and I get that. But when you have... I would call him, based on what was sold and what his ceiling was, I would say that his singles run has been pretty much a disappointment. And he got hurt, sure, but I just hearken back to how he handled the Brock match, right? Because Brock Brock wasn't going to do anything. Brock had a UFC show coming, so Mm -hmm. Dean was just like, well, I can't do anything with the guy, so why, why, why do I really care? And then the thing with with Austin in 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 that that interview, which essentially killed the Stone Cold Austin podcast on the WWE Network because that show was so poorly received. And from everything that I've heard, probably Dean's fault, maybe even one hundred percent. So I mean, I'm just like, okay, like like instead of Dean cutting bait with WWE, it's almost like addition by subtraction to me. Now, he's got star power. They put money into him. He sells merchandise. Great. But I never saw him, I guess, in the way that they see him. So, yeah. um, oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, like people, I like, see people on Twitter and they're like, man, everyone wants to leave WWE and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know what? Losing to Ambrose, no big deal. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Like, he wasn't a, you know, he didn't move ratings. He didn't move house show business. Uh his his shtick is old and I mean he's a good wrestler you know I, I, I mean 
I, I you know I like some of his matches, not all of his matches, but I like some of his matches. Uh, it'd be nice to see what he does on the indies, though. So let's see him uh, reinvent himself there and see what he, see what he got. So, um, and, and and you know, I guess the uh, the comparison is Cody, right? Because Cody mm-hmm. Cody was unhappy. He you know Cody wasn't being pushed either, though Dean was still being pushed fairly highly on the card. And Cody found his love again, and 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 you know is just having the time of his life doing what he's doing. So so maybe that is the end game for Dean. And and if so, great. Like find that love again, and you know go out and and do what you want to do. I'm I'm all for that part of it. Yeah. I'm just not for the part of where I think he's been sort of an underachiever, and he did not go out the way that you know you want to see these guys show their frustration or whatever. But and then again. Maybe that's how he felt he had to do it was to show like he had to be demonstrative in his in his feelings in that way. Um, Anyway, so the only other thing that I want to talk about before we end the uh, Road to Mania segment, we won't we won't go over Raw and Smackdown um, all the way through quite yet, because a lot of the stuff that they're building is building for Elimination Chamber and Fastlane. Once we get post fastlane, we'll probably be running down most of the stuff on Raw and SmackDown. But the other, the only thing I want to talk about was uh, the Elimination Chamber main event, which is Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles versus Randy Orton versus Mustafa Ali versus Jeff Hardy versus Samoa Joe. Now, I thought originally that they were going to have the winner of this match become the number one contender but that's not what it was Dan Bryan is in this match so it's just a title defense for him what do you see happening for Wrestlemania with the uh the WWE title that's it's a tough one I I would have preferred to not to be in this match me too to be on a high perch somewhere like you know watching these guys kill each other get this title shot so I mean he has to survive all these guys retain it. Does he really go into WrestleMania as champion? Is it, I mean, he's pretty doing really well as a heel champion right now. I kind of like to see him continue it. Um, I mean, I feel like this AJ Styles program will be old by then. So who in there would you like to see him wrestle? You, you, you know, you know what I'm worried about? And, and I'm going to sound like such a hypocrite because I'm pro Charlotte in this three way. I'm feeling Brian, AJ, and Orton in a three-way. That's kind of like what I'm thinking mm-hmm. that they are trying to set up. Or they go, yeah, or they go with just a Brian and Orton. Go with the, you know, go with Orton in that position. They could do that too. Um, or, yeah, I can see it being a multi-main match. I can see even throwing Samoa Joe in there. Yeah, maybe it's a four-way. I don't want to see... Hart, you know, don't want to see Hardy in there for sure. God no. <laughs> um, too bad it couldn't. They, because Andrade's not in it, right? So no, Andrade and Ray are not in the match, which makes me believe that they're going to do a singles, which I'm fine with because they've had you know some strong stuff together. Yeah, but this thing is like with with wrestling today, it's been like this for a long time now. It's like with so many matches between the stars like nothing seems fresh come wrestlemania so unless there's a major stip for seeing 
uh, Andrade and um, Ray, like, what have they got, you know? Yeah. It would been nice to see Andrade and – or Ray and Daniel Bryan would be fantastic, right? That would yep. be great. Yeah, um, totally. Um, maybe – Maybe it ends up not being. Maybe there's some kind of twists and turns, and and maybe it's a C and Almas and Ray match. It's a singles match that's not for the title, but all of a sudden, Ray beats Daniel Bryan, you know, mm-hmm. and that match becomes the title match. Daniel Bryan and and AJ and some kind of grudge match, you, you know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. They have a plan, obviously, but it's it's curious to see how they execute it because I'm not a big fan of the Elimination Chamber. I love no. I love the match. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, match is cool. I just don't like it sandwiched between WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, unless it is only specifically for the brand that doesn't win the yeah. Rumble. Yeah. Sets up the future challenger. Like if that's just a standard, that'd be cool. But like the one Daniel Bryan in there, the champion to defend the title in it, I just don't like it at all. Yeah. I think it just books you in a corner. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's the end of the Road to WrestleMania segment. Like I said, we're going to be doing these segments until WrestleMania in of itself. So other wrestling news. Hideo Itami has asked for his release. I saw this reported first on um, by Sh- uh, Sean Ross Sapp uh, from Fightful. Uh, and uh, actually, you know, I think I said in the previous report that the Dean thing was uh, also PW Insider. I think it was exclusively... Pro Wrestling Torch, PW Insider, I also saw with the Atami things. So I think I screwed that up. Um, but uh, he's he asked for his release, and they granted it. And I think he's got a... Uh, a 90. A 90-day, no-compete. And mm-hmm. I, posed, I posed this question to Big Dave, which is, how can they enforce the non-compete? And if, if, if they... Well, I guess you can enforce the non-compete, but the under the guise of as long as he doesn't work for these few companies he can leave like how, how would you I, I i i'm just trying to figure out how you would enforce that um i mean i guess they he could sign something right but i think really he's going i i strongly feel he's going to back to noah they just got bought out by a new company yep uh the booking this team's the same um all that's the same. The president, the current president, Uchida, is going to be doing another venture. Um, the people that took over, uh, forget their company name, but they do a lot of shows for um, the Power Hall stuff with Ricky Cho's shoes. A lot of people are freaking out thinking Ricky Cho's is going to start booking Noah. <laughs> I talked to uh, my good friend, Hisami, who's knows the ins and out of Noah. She studies this stuff. She... She conned my fears when I found out they're getting bought out, and um, so so they're they're fine. And things turn out better, and, and you know maybe they just cut a deal and with uh, with WWE and and because you know like really I love Kenta and he's he's really good. He's just never found his his footing in WWE. Um, people put the hate on WWE, but let's, uh, it's not it's not all WWE in this situation. Um, for example, like you know, he was hurt his shoulder, but beyond his shoulder, he's had a lot of concussions there. Yeah, he gets hurt a lot. He gets uh, he's 
his matches are known. He's known to knock himself out in matches because he, he gets so physical in there. And they have to pull it back a little bit to protect him. So I think when you have a guy that gets hurt a lot, that's you know not developing the way that they feel he needs to develop, it, you know, it's what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go full bore and push that guy? You know what I mean? Like you just can't. You just can't. So he just never found his never found his way there. I mean, he had a little glimpse with the, the heel turn, and I really enjoyed his match with Bobby Roode on the Takeover. I thought they had a hell of a match, but. And the possible note, him going back to Noah would be great for Noah. Um, they have a great roster, that's that's, and they're getting slowly, slowly getting popular. The monkey wrench, though, I still think it's a monkey wrench, is that what if New Japan wants him? Mm-hmm. They can definitely pay more than Noah can at this point in time. Um, they need something to spice up their roster, you know, with no more Kenny Omega in the main event scene. Um, I was just thinking about like, is Jay White the guy? Is you know who's after Jay White? And then you have Okada, Tanahashi. You can always go with that. You have Naito and Tanahashi, but it's all still kind of the same, same from music from, from you know four or five years ago, right? Don't so, don't don't forget about that young hungry tiger, Chris Jericho. Yeah, he, I mean, I know he's still going to be working with new Japan, but like, I think, I don't know. I think it could be, I, I don't think so. I think, I think there's a certain honor thing in, in Japan. I think, you know, Kenta or Tommy, you know, given his word to WWE saying, I'm going back to Noah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's his word. He's going to do it. And I think he wants to help out his, his home promotion, you know, because they definitely would Kenita and, that could be a big thing for their future shows in 2019. There's plenty of guys are trying to wrestle that have great matches with. Trust me, that that roster is a lot of fun to watch. I watch all their shows that become available because they just have so much, so much talent. Um, I'm just curious if New Japan will go hard for him because uh, who, 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 we didn't think Ishimori. Would. I didn't think Ishimori would ever leave Noah, and here he is, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. So yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of honor and uh, all of that stuff, uh, Big Dave was actually breaking news on the uh, on the Wrestling Observer Radio because I didn't I, I don't think it was reported anywhere else until after he said it on the show, which is um, Beretta and Chucky e. T mm-hmm. to AEW, and there was maybe some uh, thought that Beretta made a verbal. And uh, didn't sign and, and actually went the other way. And that New Japan is pretty frustrated with that, you know, sort of what you said, the whole honor thing. Uh, and which, which you know, is something that us Americans, you know, when you hear about sports and you see you, uh, the, there, there's, a, there's a couple of really famous ones where uh, uh, I think it was like Jawan Howard. There was a team that he was going to sign with. And uh, the owner uh, was a blind man, and and uh, he he gave the verbal, and then when it came down to signing his contract, like he went back to his original team, and so the whole thing was like, ah, he stabbed the blind man in the back. But like that happens in in uh, the U.S. a lot, right? Where 
someone will say, oh, you know, I, I made a verbal commitment. Like this happens in uh, college, college sports all the time. I made a verbal commitment. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm going here. But in Japan, th- it doesn't happen. So I could understand them being super frustrated about that if that's the way that it went down. That's a good move for Beretta and, and Chuck, Chucky, I think. They fit really well in AEW. Um, I always thought they didn't fit that well in New Japan. So I did like some of their la- their matches in the, t- in the tag tour that they... I thought Beretta fit much better than Chucky e. T, though. True. Yeah. Yeah, Beretta was... He was, he was doing good, especially when... And then he, he got hurt. Was, I think he got yeah. hurt and it kind of stalled him out a little bit. But I think they're, you know, I think they're going to be featured heavily in AEW, especially with, you know, with, with the Young Bucks and the pushing of the tag team. So... That's perfect for them, and uh, they, I think it's I think it's a good move. And AEW's paying pretty good right now, so to get this stick off the ground. So I mean, I, I, I'm not I don't I don't hate them for doing it. You know, I think I think it's smart. What do you think about this Jericho taunting Brock goofiness? Just Jericho having fun. Yeah, <laughs> he just likes to stir the shit and get people talking and. You know, he's smart, man. He's just one of the smartest people in wrestling. Okay. And here, here, here's a question. Now, I'll ask you this question, um, which is Brock, we know, is the smartest man in wrestling. He had, He is still in the USADA pool, so he mm-hmm. still can, on a dime, go fight Daniel Cormier if that's where the money is. I don't know what his WWE contract or when it ends, but I'm sure there's a there's an end date, you know, after uh, a big match that will make Vince sort of eager to to want to sign him. But now there is something like AEW, and it would seem unrealistic in a sense for someone like AEW to come in and match uh, WWE's yeah. price for Brock, right? But when you think about who they're, you know, who who is the main owner of AEW, which is you know Tony Khan, and whose dad is like mm-hmm. way more rich than Vince, <laughs> you know, like six times as rich as Vince, you kind of go, okay, like if they really, really wanted to make a splash, they could, right? Like they 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 yeah. could do it. I I, I mean, I, I who knows? Like I I would I would sense that you know Vince would cut off his own thumb if it meant keeping Brock just based on how they've treated him so far. But it is, it is, it is interesting that, you know, Brock has kind of set up this, like this three way dance for his services. It's, 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 and, and, and Jericho's like, you know, talking about it. It's like, what are you guys crazy? Oh, honestly, I would love to see Brock go to AEW. I want to see Brock versus K Omega, dude. That would be, Hilarious! I love to see Brock just, and them try to come with a match together. I think they actually had to. Heyman could do it, but like, imagine those two working it out. Them two? Oh my god, dude! I'd rather see that than the match, honestly. <laughs> That's what. Oh man, Brock and Kenny Omega would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think the internet might blow up if that match yeah. ever happened. Yeah, uh, Brock. Uh, Kenny. Uh, yeah, we're so uh, yeah. I want to do this. Do this. Well. It's, Six six year triggers. No. <laughs> six F fives and I'm pinning your ass. Like this would be hilarious. 
Uh, maybe big, big, big money though for damn sure. The, oh, the, the warring wrestling fans would explode. Like the the folks who see wrestling or enjoy the Kenny Omega style versus the the old, more old school Jim Cornette types who are mm-hmm. like Brock is a badass and that's why he should be the top guy. Like that warring faction it would just explode the internet. It would wrestling Twitter it would be like uh the end of the Avengers. We'd just all dissipate into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love to see that match. Kenny Omega, Brock Lesnar, AEW would just be fantastic. I just think it'd be, you're right, like the, the wrestling fandom would just go nuts and which is better and why, why this should be. Just it'd be funny if they could just be Brock there because Brock, you know, is a tough negotiator and Brock usually gets his way, you know, so that'd be hilarious. But, don't think it's gonna happen. I think he's definitely staying WWE. He'll, you know, he'll keep using his negotiations, his leverage to get his little raises each each and every year. Little of meaning, another million probably on top of what he's <laughs> making now. And uh, he'll be fine. He'll still fight UFC, another fight somewhere down the line, make it five million there. So, you know, Brock's great. I love Brock, as you know. So. All right, so uh, the uh, the one, uh, two other things before we head into our review of Monday Night Raw episode four uh, is uh, you watch Kushida and Tanahashi, which I haven't had the opportunity to watch yet. I'm like so frustrated at how much uh, on watching stuff I am behind. Um, I heard, I'll tell you what I heard. I heard great match, not like the be- not going to win Wrestling Observer match of the year, but great match great finish perfect storytelling what are you what are your thoughts yeah 100 percent agree um it was a really good match I, if i was gonna give a star ratings for people who want to have that kind of measuring stick of you know, what to watch now i would give it about a four four and a quarter uh if you like knees into the looks like the finer detail of storytelling this is the match for you it was it was, you know, because essentially you have a heavyweight and a junior heavyweight. So it was, I, I was surprised it went longer than it did. You know, I thought it was going to go at least 14 minutes, but it went a little longer than that. But because they did a lot of, a lot of mat wrestling and, and um, basically it was, you know, because she just using his speed and skill against Tanahashi, who's using some power. So, you know, she early on would get out of holds and, you know, like wiggle his way out and quickly reverse things to get out of it. Um, like there's a mo- great moment in the match where he goes for a German suplex. Kishida goes for a German suplex on Tanahashi, and he just can't power him up, right? Mm-hmm. He can't power him to do it. But later on, he goes to the corner. He does a moonsault out of the corner. Tanahashi ducks. Then he gets the German suplex because he can get it on a surprise with speed. You know, yeah, like yeah. When when Tanahashi's not there to use his power to block it. Yeah. I just thought that little that little storytelling was just 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 so awesome. Um, I like the Jay White thing came out and attacked Tanahashi after and, and, you know, but then they still had the moment where, you know, Kushida had a speech and then Tanahashi and him walked out together. You know, that was pretty cool, but I definitely think it's worth checking out if you're a fan of both 
Kishido Tanahashi. We were a fan of just good storytelling in your wrestling matches. Um, nothing, nothing crazy. There's a hell of a near fall. I mean, I didn't bite, but that crowd bite. You know, <laughs> when, when it happened, that was that was very cool. So, I, if you're, I mean, I would definitely check it out. Definitely worth your time watching for this. Yeah, I, I I want. I need to watch it. I've been trying to figure out, you know, when I when I could watch it. And I wanted to watch it before we we got on, but I just ran out of time. Um, okay, so uh, the one non-pro wrestling piece of the show is uh, your thoughts on the Keith Thurman fight against Josecito Lopez, which was on Fox. And uh, let me tell you what my Saturday was like, just in <laughs> how many screens I had going. So t- watch TakeOver Live. Um, had, uh, had the Warriors game on the computer... And then TakeOver had ended, switched TakeOver to Bellator. Keith Thurman fight started, put that on the iPad. So I had TV, computer, and iPad all going at one time. And I I was doing a, a podcast about the Bellator and the TakeOver, so I had to kind of pay attention to those the most but I had one eye on Keith Thurman, one eye on the Warriors game. The Warriors game, by the way, was the best thing. It, it was better than TakeOver. For, I, know, I know wrestling fans will probably be like, ah, there's nothing was better than TakeOver. But the Warriors <laughs> game was ridiculous. It was so good. Uh, and then, you know, all, all that stuff. So you watched, you, you've been kind of getting back into the boxing. I, 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 I think uh, the the boxing conversation that we have in the in the Fight Game um, podcast Facebook group has kind of been getting you going a little bit. Uh, so what, yeah. what did you What did you like about that show? Yeah, big shout out to our Facebook group, the Fight Game Blog Podcast. Like, you know, Matt Prentice and Dewins, Passion, and the others. For, you know, for the boxing and, and like makes you like, hey, I want to check this out. You know, so it's got me curious. So uh, when this Keith Thurman fight was going to be free on Fox and it's on Big Fox, so I'm like, okay, this is something to check out so i taped it and i, I usually you know because i got two little ones and it's hard to watch like take over live right when it starts at five or four o'clock so i usually have to watch it late and everything i have to watch late and it's kind of hard because you know you know i got two a three and a half year old and an eight month year old so you're pretty tired at the end of the day to stay up late at night to keep watching you know, heck yeah stuff so i got lucky and i was able to watch uh, take over live and then I was actually going to, because I take Bellator as well. I was going to watch Bellator first, and the boxing was going to be last. But when I went to go check my DVR for Bellator, it said it taped. I click it on, and there's Creed playing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's about the end. So I fast forward it, fast forward it, fast. No, it's a whole movie, whole movie. Keep going. Now it's four brothers. What the hell? <laughs> so I'm like so pissed. So anyway, so I'm like, okay, screw that. I'm going to go with the boxing. And I'm so glad I did. Cause that, that show was so much fun. Um, the opener was this kid from Mongolia named King Tug. <laughs> and I forget the guy he, he fought. I apologize. I, I, you're going to help to help you all these names in the future with the boxing. But I'm getting into it. And it was like a nice, good fight. A lot of action. I'm like, And the crowd was into it. I'm like, cool, great, awesome. Then they had this heavyweight fight. And 
it was a guy that looked like an Adonis versus the guy that looked like the Michelin Man, right? And you're thinking, okay, the guy that's he's a former US USC football player. They're pushing this big buscular guy, and the Michelin Man just destroys him in two rounds, like just 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 you know just kills him, it knocks him out, loopy. It was it was pretty fantastic. Then Thurman versus uh, Cito Lopez. Um, now I'm starting to get tired at this point. My eyes are just getting heavy, but I'm just watching. But I see Thurman's cruising, right? He's just a little better. He's a better boxer. And but all of a sudden, like the seventh round hits, Lopez connects. Boom! He has a reeling. Like I'm surprised. Like the referee man gave Thurman a lot to stick <laughs> with it. Like I, you know, I think if because it was Thurman, he, he kept him in it a little bit and didn't quickly. Jump. I thought he could have stepped in at certain points. And I was up, man. My adrenaline started going. My blood started going. I was like, all right, I'm in this fight. Because he just never knew I was going to see this upset, right? Because Thurman's undefeated, and he's defending his title. So I thought it was I thought it was, it was a fun night. I mean, it ignited my passion for boxing. And I'm, 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 I'm primed to watch the fight this uh, this Saturday um, on top rank on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to watch that. I'm geared. I can't wait to watch that. And... Um, yeah, and I can't wait to watch the the featherweight championship is coming up on February sixteenth. Um, and it's this is what I kind of like. I don't, I didn't like for pure boxing, like because King Tug the featherweight, and they they call this match a title eliminator, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not saying like who's gonna face. Like what they say, I, I don't think I don't remember once saying there. Oh, he's like, he's he's gonna eventually face the winner of the guys fighting in two weeks, right? I right. just wish they would have kind of kept that going so I can kind of even get more excited for that fight on February 16th. But, but either way, it was fun. And I, and I'm, I'm totally, totally stoked about boxing right now. And, and I just can't wait to keep watching all these fights. I'm, I'm super excited for that Spence versus Garcia fight, which, which is going to be great. Um, the fight that you're talking about is Alvarez and Kovalev, which is a rematch. Uh, <clears throat> and Kovalev is also going through yeah. some stuff of his own. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, okay, one thing I forgot to ask you was about the Kushida thing. Is when do you think he starts with uh, WWE slash NXT? Um, I think he can. Yeah, I think it'd be good for Takeover New York, right? Yeah, I, would, I think that'd be a smart move to do, especially with New Japan running uh, Masters Garden that same weekend, right? So I think definitely you have Kushida debut on that show for sure. Cause then it'd be good, and then the NXT he will start with NXT, and uh, you know they'll definitely need his star power for the house show circuit to keep you know drawing wealth there. So yeah, yeah. Who do you put him with? How about how about him and a- how about him and ACH de- debuting together on that show? That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, okay, so Raw episode four, we have been since the beginning of this year, we have been <laughs> reviewing all of the 1993. Monday Night Raws, which was the very the, the beginning, essentially, uh, act, not even essentially, it was actually the beginning of, of Monday Night Raw. So we are in episode four. Episode four <laughs> is more like WWE superstars than it is like the previous three uh, episodes of Monday Night Raw. There were uh, it was more sort of uh, squash mash heavy than uh, than it had been in the previous shows. And I believe this was like, what would it have been? The second 
the second of uh, they taped like three shows in a row or something like that, right? I've, to me, it felt live, but was it not live? Yeah, I think um, I think it so, was the episode three was Flair and Perfect. No, so it would have been the it would have been the third of four straight tapings, I think something like that. So uh, I may have the math wrong, but I think what happened is is so they did Rumble. And then um, after Rumble was the Flair mm-hmm. perfect match, which was taped the week before, right? Yeah. So this felt light to me because I think the audience they looked like there were people in the front row and stuff. So. Mm, and maybe they moved people up. But what I what I remember, or and and what I actually validated was week five has Brutus. Uh, Beefcake make his return to the ring and week four he actually comes back and does a promo and I think I I read that that was like the third or fourth show that they had taped from that same taping Mm. so that that information may be a little bit off but um, I I thought it was taped and maybe maybe it is live and maybe they only taped uh, the two shows back to back that could also be true so um, the uh, the first thing you know, as I always do, is I look for Heenan, and he wasn't there, so that made me sad. <laughs> because episode three, which, you know, was awesome, uh, and episode two was awesome as well, but episode three was awesome because of the, uh, of, of the match. Uh, and Heenan was so good that the announcing went from what we had been kind of saying was terrible. It went to really good, and then... Now Heenan's off, and Mach is back, and Bartlett is back, and Vince is back, and and look, the the, the announcing was was fine on this show. Bartlett has essentially been neutered. Uh, he's not making silly statements anymore. It's almost to the point of that he's unnecessary because he's not doing any humor, <laughs> very little humor. The only time he does humor is when Vince retorts back at him. I could tell. Okay, I think that was supposed to be a joke because Vince is trying to counter his joke or, or raise awareness that it was a joke but uh but Ma- i thought macho was really bad on the show <laughs> he was just like he would repeat like lines in his voice like one-liners like it's like macho doing one-liners in his macho man voice and i was just like okay this is this is a little off but anyway let's get to the show so uh the opening match is tatanka Against our favorite Damian Demento, <laughs> and Tatanka, yeah, a, Tatanka's still undefeated here, right? Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. He he goes undefeated till WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Uh, or I think there's a disqualification, so no, he, he continues after WrestleMania being undefeated. So uh, yeah, I thought this actually, I thought this match was pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying it's like a <laughs> you know five star classic or anything. I'm just saying like I thought everything was really well done, really well paced and the action was kept moving for the time they had a you know short time so uh demento was there for everything and uh i thought it was good action and i liked the little moment when they get on the floor and talk a lights them up the big chop the crowd was crazy uh, little heat on tatanka Tatanka makes a big comeback simple stuff um it's his uh end of the trail Samoan drop which i always liked how he did it because like he threw the guy off him um, it just always, he just always, he just, it was such a simple move and it, it just makes it look so good. And that's another lesson for you folks, kids out there who don't think 
simple moves can't be finishers. They can, because if you keep beating the guy with it, mm-hmm. it'll get over. So yeah, that was good. I, I like this match. If you can go back to 1993, and you're probably like, what, 15 or 16 at this point, um, did you buy the Tatanka character? Like, were you oh, yeah. a big fan of the Tatanka character? Yeah, because I followed him before WWF. Yeah, me too. When he was in South Atlantic Pro Wrestling on, like, you know, Sports Channel America. I still watch everything that happened in the ring. Was he Chris uh, Chavez back Chris then? Chris Chavez, yeah, War Eagle. Yeah. Chris Chavez. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. He looked like a million bucks out in non Raw, you know. So I just thought he had a great look, and, and um, I liked him, so I was really into him when he when he debuted because he started Chris Chavez actually in WWE that was the first name right and then he just being a Tatanka and um yeah and I was I thought for sure he was winning the Intercontinental title at um, at uh, Wrestlemania against Shawn Michaels I was there in San Jose at the Superstar TV when he beat Shawn Michaels in a non-title match mm. to build towards uh Wrestlemania so and that was a pretty good match from what I remember I mean like I haven't seen it in a long time but, but I'm sure it was pretty good so, at at this time, WWE brings in Tatanka. They actually bring in a few guys because they're they're bringing in some gimmick, you know, guys and giving them gimmicks. Was did uh, Chris Walker also come in at this time, and he just did not get like that that extra gimmick and just became sort of like a, a guy, or was that yeah, think, a different time? Um, no, I think it was ninety two. It was 92 he, he came in because he was in Global 91. See, because he was a guy that I thought they were going to really, really get into, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They they they, just they they didn't do much with him. Like, he did some, like, TV jobs, right? I think and I saw him on Primetime a couple yeah, times. Yeah, Primetime. Yeah, but, like, they never really got behind him because I don't think he was ever, like, a, a promo guy. And he was pretty raw and green. So you definitely need protecting. But they've done that before. There have been guys like, like remember Al Perez in 1990 was in WWF. Mm-hmm. And he just worked openers and they never did anything with him. So um, J.W. Storm was in WWF for a little while. Didn't do nothing with him. So I just, don't, I just think he had the, it was too soon for him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Jim Cornette tells a story about this on one of his, you know, various shoot interviews he has. Because he wanted to bring him to Smoky Mountain in 92 and feature him and push him and, and build him up. And he, he had to, he had him booked and everything and had dates for him. But all of a sudden he called and said, I'm going to WWF. And, mm. you know, Jim Cornette's telling him, like, hey, I'm not going to, you know, all I can say is, like, I think it's too soon for you. They're going to eat you up alive. You know, you got, you know, why don't you, you know, I wish you would come here and gain the experience that you need on a smaller scale so we can get you ready for the WWF. But, you know, when Cornick only offers so much money and spoke about compared to WWF money at the time, like, you know, what, what's a young guy going to do, right? He's going yeah. to take the money. Yeah. And Cornett was right. He got chewed up and spit out. Yeah. That machine. So. Next segment shows Bret Hart giving a big check to the American Red Cross for $100,000. I think this was at Madison Square Garden. Yep, and Flair was out there. You notice? Oh, I didn't. I didn't notice that. I should have. I should have looked a little bit more closely. But he had to. He had to take care of all his contract contractual obligations. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and so uh, in one of the... I don't even know how to... I don't even know how to describe this, but Brutus Beefcake comes out to do an interview. Oh. And so the history with Beefcake is that summer of 1990, he gets in an accident, gets in a parasailing accident. It was sort of like a miscommunication uh, and I, I think uh, somebody's feet like just blasted him and like essentially just broke his face. Um, and he was out for a while. He made some appearances doing run-ins on, I think, Superstars and Challenge with a mask. Did they ever give him a name? Wasn't he like the the mad not the matter the marauder or something like that something like that it was something to that extent i was trying to find a name and i couldn't find i think what it the was name the marauder was. or something like that yeah and the gimmick was that he was just doing headbutts right he was had a mask he's doing headbutts and he was like yeah he's doing running run-ins to save the baby faces like i think he beat up rick bartell and i know for sure earthquake he came in and, and like made a save for someone and it took out Earthquake or ran off Earthquake. And so nothing nothing came out of that, and they stopped they doing it. it. Mm-hmm. And he comes back as the host of the uh, talk show, The Barbershop. And this is the, this is the famous Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. And so he does that for a little bit and then goes away again. And this is his return to WWE. And so he is describing the issue that happened now almost three years ago, so two and a half years ago, as if it happened yesterday, which was I thought was kind of weird. Like yeah. he, they didn't give a time. It was almost like, oh, the, it, like this is what happened just recently. And I was like, wow, like that was like two and a half years ago. And uh, they, uh, I, and maybe I just was was feeling that wrong because I was like, and then he came back and did the barbershop stuff, but. You know, whatever. The, the timeline just felt really, really off to me. But anyway, he's describing what happened. He, his parents, he had to bury his parents. And so it was a really sad, it was a really it's sad like, interview. It was like the worst country song. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think for, like, not for, no, actually perfect for a country song, right? Yeah. At, at that time period, he's basically talking about, you know, his parents died, his girlfriend left him, his dog died, you know, got in his accident or something, you know. It's just, and it's like, it's like he's so he's so lost in this interview too, and spacey and and, and like this is struggling through it. I, I don't know if the parents thing was real, but he's talking about something real. Like it's not a story, right? This is not like a created uh, angle. Like this actually happened, and he was still not like on it with his story. Yeah, it's and it's weird because like I kept like hoping Vince would save him on this interview. Yeah. But Vince didn't. Vince <laughs> just basically held the mic there, let him stumble through this thing. Cra- the cra- crowd. crowd is just not, they're just like, what the hell's going Wrong on? Wrong crowd for this this kind of speech. I mean, New York, hardcores in the audience, by the way, Mikey Ripwick, jumping around in the background, <laughs> Paul Loria holding up his Intercontinental title. And this is 1993, and they're like a year away from starting with ECW, which is funny. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Uh, I just, I just, it's just a wrong crowd, New York crowd, to to do this kind of promo, and didn't get any real sympathy at all. And so the punchline is that when he was down and out, 
the guy that inspired him to not give up was Jesus Christ. I mean, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the same thing, too. I was like, <laughs> I was like he's basically saying Hulk Hogan was this Jesus Christ, right? Which, right. yeah, whatever. But it's just, it was hilarious, you know. And he's and we and apparently Hulk Hogan still wears his red and yellow everywhere he goes. You know? Exactly. And exactly. Uh, definitely in hospitals. And um, Ian's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It and, was yeah. The, the, the idea is, I, 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 what I, 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 I guess at this point you have to figure that Vince has probably got Hogan locked up, right? Of course he does. So I'll read. I'll read bits of the Observer around that time period to try to piece together that information. But, uh, mentions Hogan kind of tepid react, like bore, like bore crowd was just like, eh, all right. Some booze. No, no, no real big pop for Hogan. And I imagine that's not what Vince expected was going to happen. No, it wasn't that big of a reaction when he said Hulk Hogan's name finally. There was a reaction, but it wasn't like people were just jumping down on on their seats, you know, when they heard the news. Right. So we all know what happens, and they're they're really teasing, you know, the the the, uh, the return, uh, which doesn't happen for a little while. But uh, Beefcake uh, does get scheduled with a match for the following week against the Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man later in this episode, Million Dollar Man and IRS like flip a coin to see who gets to face <laughs> Beefcake. And they're taking it kind of as a joke. Like, this is not a, this is not a real match. This is like kind of a workout. And I think they're saying this not because Beefcake is not a good wrestler, but I think everyone is supposed to know that his face is not, like, healed or something, but they're yes. not telling the crowd that. It's like we're just supposed to infer that that's why Beefcake is going to be a pushover. So um, kind of, kind of a, a little weird there, but... Uh, Jimmy Hart is uh, kind of wondering why they're doing this. It's almost like um, you can sense, the, you know, the the Jimmy J- the, the the Jimmy Hart uh, foreshadowing for the uh, the face turn is coming, and uh, and and it does happen, I believe, on the next episode. But um, but yeah, so so that's kind of the deal with Hogan. Like I said, at, at the end, after after we're done here, I'll read some of the stuff that was kind of going on at the time with Hogan. Um, and so the next match was uh, High Energy versus Iron Mike Sharp. And who was the I, other guy? Um, it was the Skull Fong Crush. But can I, can I circle back to that promo with Money Incorporated? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I actually, I thought this actually saved what Brutus did. Mm-hmm. You know, like I thought the promo was Brutus was horrible. Well, I thought the stuff with Money Incorporated and and basically, you know, they're just being jerks and bullies and, and you know, definitely see, like, easy pickings with Bruce Beefcake. They know that he's, you know, not healthy, that they could just destroy him. And I thought Jimmy Hart was freaking fantastic. Like, he came out, like, I like what he said, like, you know, like, he's trying to, like, bring an excuse to them so they won't hurt you know take this match to yeah. say, hey these, you might get hurt during this we got other food yeah yeah, we got yeah. Bigger fish they, fry the steiners fish. like they're like we got the steiners even yeah, vince you know teases that the crowd you know the crowd just pro steiners i mean they were not really like he tried but they mm-hmm. didn't they, 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 he tried to get the crowd to like chant for the steiners but 
Um, but yeah, that's exa- exactly what it was. And, yeah, I, just, I just thought this whole interview was really well, well executed, other than maybe the only thing I didn't like was like Ira's had to force his Irish shtick like hmm. within this promo. It just didn't fit. Like it just, I enjoyed their, the beginning part of them just being bullies. And, and I really enjoyed Jimmy Hart's like trying to pull his best quick, um, thinking on top of his head, trying to get, you know, them, them away from what, you know, this, this distraction of wanting to wrestle and fight through his beefcake, but it didn't work. And, and uh, I thought that was cool. I, I really liked that. That's, I really liked the segment a lot. I mean, this is what WWE used to be really good at, which is setting traps and showing mm-hmm. teases and giving you clues to something that you were pretty sure was going to happen. But it was intriguing enough to where you 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 couldn't wait to see it all how it all lays out and that's what I mean, we were doing here rewatching that segment I, I never i don't remember that segment i don't remember the t- i remember when jimmy hart turned babyface yeah but and i remember being shocked by that cuz that was just i mean jimmy hart and hulk hogan together it was just an oddball thing for me yeah you know that was so weird but um you know i just when it happened like I didn't think it was gonna happen. Something like that would happen, but and it did. That was that was that was that was a pretty shocking moment for me. When looking back, so high high energy uh, <laughs> against Sharp and Sharp and what is the guy's name again? Uh, Skull Von Crush. He was uh, Big Vito in the Mama Luke's in WCW. Vito Rogasso in WWE. Um, you know, with the full blooded Italians in WWE. Oh, okay. Did. That so that's the same guy. Okay, awesome. I, I got it now. This, Wore the dress gimmick, you know. I forget what year that was, but uh, maybe 2008. Or, I, don't, I don't remember. I just know he worked a tour with Oliver John in like, Portugal or something. <laughs> and I just remember he was kind of a goofy guy from what I understand. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I actually liked Vito a lot. I, I loved him in the, the Mama Luke's team and WSW, I thought he had this really great, you know, he had that big, thick New York accent and stuff. And he was, he was actually a pretty talented worker. So, and, uh, um, he just never got his, I mean, he got his breaks, but he's never got like that, that, you know, he never, he, he's probably the level he's probably supposed to be. But yeah, I, you know, it was just cool to see him. And like, you know, we're going to see this with a lot of gu- like upcoming stuff, a lot of these guys doing jobs, starting their careers out. And so uh, high energy wins with the drop kick off the top rope, um, into the roll up. I I thought I not that I necessarily forgot that they did moves like that, but it was sort of just the execution was was just really good on that stuff. Uh, yeah, and I think high energy is actually not going to be together very much longer. I think Coco gets either fired or released soon, and then Owen goes by himself from that on so uh so the next match is doink and typhoon and they're really putting over doink doink beat the crap out of crush uh crush went in the stretcher and so now he faces typhoon and uh i know uh the the typhoon character uh in wwe had sort of a, a couple of twists and turns uh, and then you know he we everyone knows about the the shockmaster stuff, but I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Typhoon's background. Well, yeah, I mean uh, I remember him from the After Magazines because he was 
from his stuff in Florida with Dusty Rose. Dusty Rose, after he left NWA, he was fired from NWA, he went and tried to get Florida going again with Pro, I think it's Pro Wrestling Federation or something like that. And his big rival was the Big Steel Man, right? And that was Fred Ottman. And then I just I remember seeing him in those pictures and stuff. And then I remember when Tugboat Thomas vignettes were airing, and I was like, hey, that's the Big Steel Man guy. But then, like, he showed up in this, like, sailor outfit <laughs> with the stripe, red stripes, white pants. It's a horrible look. But I did love his big splash of that. Like, he got, like, height and some speed on it. And then the, 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 the best thing that happened to him was, you know, he, he turned on Hogan. But he's, like, the only guy that turned on Hogan that didn't have a big program. Yeah, yeah. That's what I remember, too. Which I thought was always interesting, but probably a positive. You know, I don't think he could, would, have, would have drawn well with Hogan. And he wasn't that hot of a baby face. Yeah, he was. He, this wasn't Hogan and Orndorff or Hogan yes. and Savage as, like, the hot team. It was... It was essentially the 19, you know, the early 90s version of Hogan and Bill Hillbilly Jim. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I thought that was smart putting him and Urquhart together Natural Disasters. And they had the forever long program with the Legion of Doom. And they never beat Legion of Doom until finally they won the, they turned babyface when they're, what, dual managed by uh, Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jimmy Hart managed Natural Disasters first, then he started managing Money Incorporated, and then he Money Incorporated won the tag titles from from LOD when I think Hawk fell a drug test or something like that. They quickly turned the tick titles off of him on the house show. And um they did the thing where, you know, basically Jimmy Hart double crossed him and they turned babyface. They actually won the titles for a short period of time and in 1992, but Babyface, Natural Disasters, wasn't as good as a heel, Natural Disasters. And this was like, I think it was him finishing up here. I think it was because I believe Earthquake was starting to finish up in San Jose at the tapings in, um, San, you know, that I went to the day after the Royal Rumble because he was basically just pinned clean. Earthquake was pinned clean by Bam Bam, Bigelow for her. A Coliseum home video exclusive match, and Bigelow's actually starting a program with Brett at this point, right? Yeah, he's rest, he's working matches with him, which which is great because I love Bambi Bigelow. But you can tell by this match with Doink, they're heavily featuring Dork, of course, and they should because he's this new character. But he's out wrestling Typhoon, pretty much eating his lunch up, and and pretty much beats him convincingly. So Typhoon's definitely on his way out here. So, um, so yeah, so he loses this match. It's uh, it's kind of a, a simple finish with a, a shoulder block off the, it was like off the middle rope. And then Doink tries to pull the tights, but because <laughs> of Typhoon's gear, you, he can't really pull the tights. So it makes Typhoon look like a little bit of a goofball that he's just got to lay there, uh, when, uh, Doink is sort of unsuccessfully, uh, pulling, pulling his, uh, his, his tights for, and for what the a, cheating and what a difference, win. what a difference from then and now, because now that would have been a clean finish <laughs> with the heel going over. But back then it was like, kind of like, Hey, if you're going to do a job on TV, you know, this is the way we protect you. We'll have yep. them yep. hold your tights. Yep. You know? So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and then, uh, the moment that, I thought 
I almost felt like it was not even made uh, big enough, which is right, you know, a few days before the show is the passing of Andre the Giant, who is one of the biggest stars in the history of the company. And Andre gets a 10-bell salute. And during that 10-bell salute, they show some still photos of him. And that's pretty much all that uh, that happens for him. I was, was, I mean, it's nice that they did something, but you compare it to, you know, what they would do for someone like Mean Gene, and and it's just like, I, maybe they just didn't do stuff like that back then, but I expected there to be more done uh, for the passing of someone like Andre. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, because we're just used to the big video presentations now with someone passes away but yeah I, I thought it was i thought it'd been better if they would have opened the show with it and had vince in the ring saying something about andre um maybe vince was still a little bitter that andre showed up at clash of champions in september 1992 for yeah the competition um but they did i think i, I don't think that's the case because they did um I think this is like the 93 was the first year of the Hall of Fame, right? And he's the first inductee, mm-hmm. which I think they announced within a few weeks after this. So, so I, I think this, they, they just understand like they weren't in that mode of making this big video, but it would have nice to see some footage of, of, of like, you know, some of Andre's moments here. Yeah, absolutely. Like I wanted to see, um, you know they they didn't have to show the the heel stuff, right? You show the babyface stuff. You show. Uh, well, I think the heel stuff is a very important to show too. Like well, him with Hogan standing there, and you know stuff like that. But uh, instead, you know, because you are you are bringing Hogan back. I mean, you show Andre pouring the champagne on Hogan's head, like they mm-hmm. show you know all the time. I, I just thought they could have done more, and may, maybe they will. I I, I don't remember quite. Um, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how some of this stuff is handled in the future, but like you said, he does go into Hall of Fame, so there's going to be something around that. Yeah. Well, at least they didn't show footage of Jake Snake bringing out the snake and <laughs> Andre having a heart attack. Yeah, that made me that made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's the guy that Yokozuna squashes? Yokozuna squashes Tony DeVito, who was in the Baldies in ECW. Okay, see, my ECW knowledge is like zilch, so you're gonna you're yeah. gonna have to carry that stuff. See, the only local indie New York guy, probably. I mean, I think maybe a Johnny Rods graduate kind of guy. I think. I mean, I'm just guessing here, just because a lot of people in that time were trained by Johnny Rods, and mm-hmm. you know, so he I mean, he featured. He, I mean, Tony DeVito wrestled a lot, of, a lot of WWF matches, so we'll see him a lot coming up, especially in 1993. So. Because he really didn't get his break in ECW till much later, and uh, the Baldies were a cool idea. They're kind of too kind of similar to the Dudley Boys. I thought. I think if the Dudley Boys they came before the Dudley Boys, they would have been a much bigger deal. But you know, they're, the Dudley Boys are already there ahead of them, so they kind of just got lost in the shuffle. And I remember it was a big deal for us locally here and. Uh, Northern California because Vic Grimes from APW was, you know, WWE sent him to ECW to kind of for, for Heyman to get him over. Mm-hmm. 
so they can bring him into WWF and give a big push, but just didn't didn't uh, didn't happen. But uh, you know, he was in the Baldy's tag team, and and uh, so you know, I remember, I remember that from him. But Tony Vito was always a good promo, and and he did really well with uh, Yoko here, and you know, was there there for everything, and like. <laughs> Yoke is always fun to watch. You know, I always I always see how he's gonna do that finisher, the bonsai bomb, because either he's gonna kill the dude or protect. <laughs> he protected. He protected Tony Devito. So the the one thing in this match is they're setting up a a match for the weekend with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm-hmm. And do you think that they're doing the thing where Hacksaw can't hear them as uh, to make? to let the audience know that it's a real call? like I think so. <laughs> it's so silly. Hacksaw can't hear him, then they can't hear him, and then he's like going over, the and match is says, over. Then he calls him Yoko, Jakob Zuma. Yeah. <laughs> and Vince has to like correct him, and he's like, says something borderline racist, you know, like, Yakob Zuma, Yoko Zuma, all sound the same to me, or something, I don't know, something weird like that. I'm like, oh, man. 1993. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is you know we already talked about the money ink thing, and that and that happens here, and, and then we get Lex, and uh, Lex comes out, mirror in the ring, and because you know there has to be a joke before you go to commercial, instead of the ring card girls who are uh, thin and athletic and attractive, they bring out. Uh, uh, an older woman who is obviously not in shape. And one of the Rossetti sisters. Oh, is that who it was? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. Bobby Heaton would give the, give them grief. And yes, yes. So yeah. So was, good. Uh, what about I was it the one that I wonder if it was the one that just recently passed away. Yeah, I don't know. I I, yeah. I, I thought that's who it was, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. And they, yeah. you know, they didn't mention it. So. So basically the whole thing is that Lex is checking himself out in the mirror and then she walks behind him and gets in his view of the mirror and he freaks out and then they go yeah. to commercial. So uh, they come back and they do this classic video with uh, Mr. Perfect. Now, is this is this one of the videos from uh, when they debuted the character or was this a new one? This is new because he's a total baby face. Yeah. Okay, okay, so... Uh, Minnesota Vikings tight end Steve Jordan is in this uh, is in this package with Perfect, and basically the idea is that Miss Perfect is good at everything, obviously. So he throws a football, and Miss yeah, Kurt Henning actually can throw a football. You could tell. I don't know how good of an arm that he had, but his his the way that he threw a football is like okay, he probably apparently apparently a great arm from this video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he 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 he. I don't know if he was like a high school quarterback or something, but he could throw the football like he definitely could. And so uh, Steve Jordan runs a couple routes, you know, you know, the tight end option, which was kind of I don't think that was a tight end option. Maybe it was. <laughs> but uh, so so perfect throws him like a deeper pass. He tells him to go a little bit further, connects on it. And then perfect was like, you know, watch this. And he throws the ball as far as he can. And then he gives it like a two Mississippi. And then he runs after the ball to catch it while it's in the air. So he like throws himself like a sixty-yard pass that he throws and yeah. then catches. So classic I like the, stuff. I like the little wink that he gives after <laughs> he throws it. <laughs> I just thought it was. But it's funny. Like this is like such a weird thing because like there's no need to show why he's Mister Perfect. You know, I think he's already established that. But 
Babyface Mr. Perfect <clears throat> vignettes are definitely not as good as heel vignettes. They're perfect. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so they have the match, Lex against Jason Knight. Lex hits the forearm, and the way that he pins him is to basically just put his pinky down on his chest. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a ma- this is a Vince thing, right? Because Vince is Vince is like, look at him, he's just covering him with his pinky. So you can tell, like, this, Vince is like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. When you pin guys, you're just gonna touch him with your pinky. Yeah, because they're gonna be revealed that he has the steel plate in his forearm. Yep. That's why he's able to knock these guys out and able to pin these guys with his pinky. Uh, Jason Knight, for those wondering who he is, uh, some of those ECW people remember that he's the former manager slash wrestler slash former ECW TV champion before, like, around 94. Um, the sexiest man alive. He'd always wear the suit, uh, the sports coat to the ring. Um, the fans would chant, cheat fucking suit at him, or Kmart <laughs> suit. So, uh, he, you know, he was also an ECW alumni guy. So, three ECW alumni guys in the, on the show. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Did and you, two what? in the audience. <laughs> so like crazy kids. Uh, so, what they do is they tease uh, that Ted DiBiase is going to face Beefcake. Beefcake accepted the, uh, the match that's going to happen on episode five. And there is a 14-man battle royal with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon is also uh, teased for next week. And so that that's episode four. Now, I mentioned that I had some tidbits of information. Um, I, just reading The Observer from uh, the, the, the couple of weeks that, you know, the sort of the information was out there, which is basically that I'll actually just read this verbatim. Um, from from Dave's Observer. Hulk Hogan was reported in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to have been in a restaurant last week that happened to be on the bottom floor of CNN Center, although word we get is he was in CNN Center to negotiate a movie deal rather than a wrestling deal, although there's been at least prelim- preliminary discussion involving Hogan and WCW over the recent week. So this is Hogan being what Brock Lesnar does today, right? Like exactly. he has, he probably has little intention of wrestling at WCW at this point, knows that he wants to be with Vince, but he also needs Vince to know that he has other options and has a little bit of leverage here. And so Dave also wrote that he thinks where Hogan gets even more leverage is that the Royal Rumble buy rate is awful. <laughs> and so it's like, we got WrestleMania our top three matches, because they do actually have a press conference uh, that uh, I think this week. Either it's either the it's either before the Raw or after this Raw that we just talked about. And the top three matches that they t- that they were pushing was Taker, Giant Gonzalez, Luger, and Perfect, and Hart and Yokozuna. And you're talking about a WrestleMania with those of your three top matches when just the WrestleMania before you had. Hogan Justice or Hogan Vicious, uh, Flair and Macho and you Heart know Piper. and Hart and Piper and so the star power is so much bigger that year prior and so yeah it's like Hogan's like looking at this just looking at everything going like man 
you know, they, they really need me. And, and yeah. that's, that's what I would, that's how I would look at it too, because, you know, I know the WWE is trying to, or WWF is trying to, you know, they're, they're rebuilding and they're going at sort of a new generation, but you still need to draw for your big show, right? I remember, you know how they do the event centers and they would go to the lineup. I remember back then I was not hyped for the show. I remember thinking it was like, wow, man, this doesn't feel like a WrestleMania. And, uh, it didn't have that star power. I mean, I like yeah. Brett and I was into Yokozuna, but I didn't think that was like a WrestleMania main event at all. Yeah. Agreed completely. And so the only other tidbit, uh, that I'm going to bring up is, uh, we, we talked about the week prior where, uh, Marty does the match with Sean and then he's gone. <laughs> So I'll read this verbatim as well, because there's a little wrinkle in here that that I did not expect. And I'm sure I knew it, but just forgot. Uh, so Marty Jannetty was fired because at the San Jose tapings, he was asleep in the dressing room. He claimed he was sleeping, but apparently others felt it was more like passed out. There is some heat among the wrestlers on Ray Stevens, who reported it because of the belief that Stevens was once a wrestler and all the boys should stick together. Hmm. How's that for that little piece of tidbit of trivia? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, you know, was Ray in the office at the time? Or trying to get in the office? I don't know. I, I, I also thought maybe he was just there because it was San Jose. Maybe. Yeah, he was visiting. He saw that and went to Pat and told him maybe. And that got the ball rolling there. I don't know. But, you know, maybe... Ray's trying to angle to be a part of the, you know, part of an agent or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's it. So uh, so we got through this episode four. Um, you know, what's going to happen with this show, I'm guessing, is that it is going to be a little bit more pro wrestling focused because WrestleMania season just uh, means that there's tons of stuff in WWE. But, you know, there's going to be big UFC stuff coming too. Uh, there's a Bellator show in San Jose that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit, but we didn't have time that we will be talking about because uh, I think we're both going to try to go to it. So we're going to be pretty, pretty excited about it. And uh, and yeah, the boxing stuff, uh, there's so much boxing to watch. I didn't even mention the the Jamie uh, Mungia fight that I watched in addition to all the stuff I was watching Saturday night. But he won uh, a clear decision. And uh, and yeah, so we'll be we'll be back next week, uh, I think. Now, I, I won't say exactly why, but I think we're going to record the show a couple of days late because I may be at an event that uh, if I do go, I'll have a lot of news coming out of that event. Now, if we do tape on our normal time, then you'll know that I didn't go to the event. So uh, if we if, if the show is late next week, a couple of days, it is because uh, for a reason, and I will talk about that reason on the next show. So, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.